Let's face it, customers can't always put a finger on what they want. And that makes it tough to work with them. So as designers, we tend to isolate ourselves. And think that we know better than the customer. But the customer's always right. This creates a design paradox. You work so hard to make your product stand out. With the right functionality. And inviting user interface. And robust enough to help you scale. But maybe the customer could care less. And that's a problem. After all, they keep the business moving. So how do you put customers first? And stay focused on designing right. Jake Knapp has some answers here in this week's book, Sprint. Welcome back. You're listening to Motivation Minute, where we unravel the timeless truths in that stack of books you've been wanting to read so that you don't have to. This week's book is Sprint, How to Solve Big Problems and Test New Ideas in Just Five Days by Jake Knapp and a couple other authors. So, sounds audacious. Test big ideas in five days. Yeah, it's like a very clear-cut strategy on how to do that. Yeah, and, it's, and for me, this is all theory. I haven't put any of this into practice, but it's a very interesting concept. So, have you been, uh, I guess, what would be the opposite of sprinting? Crawling? <laughs> exactly. I've been <laughs> groveling in the dirt. <laughs> I guess as a software engineer, I've been exposed to sprints for a while um with the whole software world has gone to agile which means we sprint um depends it has different cadences like you might sprint for a week or two weeks or we do three weeks on my team um how do you you sprint for three weeks solid don't you get tired you do and that's why you get a break every three weeks uh, sprinting solid <laughs> start all over but your knees get sore it's bad for your joints you get exhausted I think it's my fingertips to get tired but the uh the, the thing about sprints that's really interesting is it lets you make things time-based not feature-based so if you were worried about your features your product would almost never be done because it's never perfect but if it's time-based time isn't perfect and you send out your release saying hey there's no issues with this, but here's a better version than what you had before. Hmm. And that's why on the App Store, you see bug fixes all the time on your phone. Companies are like, hey, it's great companies. Facebook sends out app updates. Why does Facebook need to update their app? Well, they do sprints. And to fix bugs all the time, huh? So yeah. it's the process of how do you have a, have a challenge or a problem and effectively find a solution quickly rather than waiting months or years or whatever before you to like learn your customer and all that you could do that like in five days which is crazy yes and that's the that's the core of it that you can fast forward to the future essentially it's like you can zoom ahead and see what the product and customer reactions are going to be now so that you know what uh what they really think hmm. so what versus guessing Walk us through like a, how you do it at your company, how you do the, the sprint, or what's the other term, or is that, a, is that an actual software, or is it like a term that basically destru- describes the process? It's the process. It's the methodology we use. So a sprint is basically you're given a set of tasks, and you finish those tasks, and then you test those tasks to make sure they are finished, and then you say the tasks are done. It's kind of simple. It's like that. But the thing is, the complicated part is you have a giant mound of tasks you want to get done and it's picking the right tasks out of the mound for this sprint 
And then next sprint, she'll tackle the next layer versus like having the entire mound and then saying in two years, we'll give you a new release. Hmm. Well, you're going to have big issues if you wait two years because there's no constant um, improvement Mm -hmm. potential. Interesting. Huh. So how would you apply that to um, just say uh, your, your average small business, you know, that wants to, you know, develop a new product or, or solve a problem of finding more customers or something. So, you know, the book talks about five days. I don't think five days is the magic. Um, it's a cool idea. Like they say, in a perfect world on day one, you could map out a problem. Day two, sketch out different ideas to solve it. Day three, make decisions on which ideas to follow. Day four, create your prototype and day five, demo it. That's great. Mm. I don't think it actually happens that way yeah. where you have a real good product. Now, granted, the, the uh, author of the book, um, Jake Knapp, he came up with uh, the Gmail priority inbox. Really? Yeah, which I think, I you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's where you go in and it's the first tab you open that says primary and then you have like other ones that are social, promotions, updates. At least that's how my inbox is set up and Mm. the idea is it intelligently picks from all the mail coming in what you really want to see like immediately and then lets you digest other stuff later interesting so which reduces notifications which is hmm. nice wow so he he invented that wow yeah and he works for big companies like that to help them have a process to solve problems and i was thinking about some just some my family's business or different companies that could benefit greatly from this in my own as well if i if i if i could learn how to actually do this like i said you want to have like whiteboards and like then it's like a yeah five-day process which that's yeah that doesn't seem too realistic depending on <laughs> what you're you know what you're doing but like you know you write down um the the problem then you have different people on the team give different ideas you know just throw the ideas at the wall and then you like all vote to decide which is the best and then, right. then, then you just have to decide on one. What's the one thing you're going to focus on, and then like test that and actually ask potential customers, "Hey, would this work?" So it's like an actual process. It would be really interesting to to try it. And I think the key parts of the process are the prototype that you come up with and the people you test it with, because um, it's easy to overdesign something. Man, I do this all the time. I way overdesign stuff, and the tempting thing is to design it well so that you can scale it later. But the, what this book said is that the if you can make prototyping cheap versus for me, if I design really well, it's expensive to prototype because I made it really well. But if I can make that prototyping process really cheap, I make the learning process that much faster for myself so that I can figure out what the customer liked initially and not later. You can get through the design all the way to the end that realize the customer doesn't care. And that's the worst because you put all this effort into designing it well. Hmm. Right. That That is a huge problem with most business owners. They start out, plan a cool product, plan a cool idea. I mean, I did this myself. I did this myself, um, you know, in the beginning. I, I thought I was going to have this cool, you know, uh, online course that I was going to make and sell and make all a bunch of money. And I, and I, you know, had this cool software I was going to use and and it ended up just not really working out. It just wasn't, didn't work at the right timing and everything for me. But it just, and yeah, it just, you have, we often have so many cool ideas 
and we think they're great to us, but like, wh- are other people actually going to pay you money for it? Like, that's right. that's where it gets or use tough. It. Or use it. <laughs> I had the same thing. I was interning at a company where I built this app that you could put on the side of conference rooms that would let you check into and out of a conference room. They used to have whiteboards that you would write your name on, but they're like, let's appify this. So I'm like, great, I'll build an app for you. And you know, the first edition of it that I came up with the first time I was interning there wasn't too great. I spent way too much time designing the interface and never actually figured out what people really wanted. And what they got was an extremely advanced whiteboard to put their name that they had to actually type their name on with a keyboard <laughs> which I realized later people didn't like typing their name Wait, in. How do you type on a whiteboard? Well, okay, so uh, in a, it was in a sense like a whiteboard. Oh, okay, it's, okay. It was an actual app I built uh, on a web page that would handle itself like a whiteboard would, mm-hmm. but with programming behind it. Okay. <laughs> so I, 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 made a, I made a whiteboard advanced, but the problem with it was it was just so much easier to write names on the whiteboard and that was the feedback i got after i built it after you know five weeks of building this thing i get this feedback like you know i really wish we could just go back to the whiteboard it was so much easier (laughs) and here i was i spent so much time working on the buttons to get them to look the right colors and the right shapes and to make sure the user interface was arranged just so so that the people's names showed up in the right box and i learned you know how to code web pages just to do that you know uh yeah, I should have read this book first because that, I could have gone to people and talked to them sooner, right? And figured that out. Well, that's how you learn, but but and that's how I've learned is just it's you know taken me a couple of years to kind of figure out, and, I, and I'm still learning all the time, but trying to just figuring out who my customer is, what people actually want, what you know what sells, whatever. Just figuring that stuff has taken me a couple of years of trial and error, and I think I think in some I think it it that's probably what it's going to take to develop a business but i think you can also do find ways to do it quicker and i i'd like to try some some quicker processes with an actual you know outline structure where i could test an idea and you know quickly that'd be that's a really interesting concept and that process of testing the idea what's interesting is you're building a facade of a prototype, this book puts it. Hmm. You're not actually building the real thing. Like it, you might be designing an app, but instead of the app, you put together a PowerPoint slide set that has how the app would be laid out if it were an app. Mm, okay. Versus putting all the time into the app ah, first. Like just sketch it out kind of and yeah. show people how this is how it would work. Like, do you like, like it? Like in a way they can click. Right. But it doesn't actually do what the app does. It, it does it via a fake way. Or even just a whiteboard where you were like, it talked about writing, like having everybody, multiple people sketch how they think it, it should look on a whiteboard, like the app or the web page. Or this would be yeah. a great idea for a website, but if you're doing designing a website, but give, you know, how should it look? And then a couple of people give, draw out what, what they think. Then you can, then you show that to a, cust- a potential customer. And then they say, hey, I like this one the best. That's really smart. The beauty of that is that you, save the programming and the hard work for later. And when you save it for later, you have a lot more confidence when you're doing it because you already got customer reactions up front. Mm. The book brought up, um, this company came up with a toothbrush robot delivery service in a hotel. (laughs) 
<laughs> where this robot, you'd, you'd call the front desk, say, hey, I need a toothbrush. And the robot comes up to the door. An automated phone call says, hey, your toothbrush is at the door. You go to the door. And then the robot opens a cage and gives you the toothbrush and does a happy dance and then waltzes away. Huh. Well, funny thing is, this robot was basically driven by a PlayStation controller. The automated phone call was a real person that tried to sound automated. They hatched together some sound effects and used PowerPoint slides for the eyes of the robot. <laughs> so clearly, it wasn't the end goal of what the robot would be, but they found out what the customer liked, which was they loved the dancing robot. <laughs> and they knew they got that right, so later they could put more effort into the dance, which is what people want, not how the door opens to give you the toothbrush. Like uh, little stuff that you figure out, what do they want? Uh, interesting. Wow. You know, the book brought up this great graph uh, it was time versus the willingness to change. And the graph looks like half of a bell curve. Hmm. Okay. So top of the bell curve on the y-axis and it kind of slopes down from there mm -hmm. towards zero. The top there is the customers don't get it. Let's fix it or cut it. Because that idea is you're very willing to change when you haven't spent much time on something. So you'll make an adjustment. But as time goes on, that bell curve levels out towards zero in willingness to change as time progresses. And they say, they put a quote, the customers are idiots because <laughs> they don't know what they want. <laughs> but mm. the thing is, they do. If you sprint, you can fix it sooner. Mm, interesting. Well, it's kind of like you have to give people, um, you have to show people what they want, but then give them what they actually need sometimes. Like you kind of have to do both. And that pro that's part of the process of figuring That's it true. out it's part of the process yeah. of figuring it out is like well you have to give them what you want or what they want sorry what they want the customer what they're going to pay you for and actually but sometimes you know you you in some ways you do know better than the customer because like you might have like the way it works like the way it actually works in the process and stuff you might actually have figured out better but like the feel and the look and and how easy it is is going to that's what the customer is going to care about. So sometimes you have to, like, you might know how it should work kind of, but then you're going to have to do this whole process to figure out what's attractive to the customer and what, the, what are they going to pay for and what's easiest for them to use. Yeah, it's almost like you are providing them something to jumpstart them. Like you're giving them the initial material to work with and then they tell you how to refine it, like mm -hmm. what parts they like about it. Right. And that was a critical part of the book, feedback which would come on a Friday in a perfect world in this book. Um, <laughs> and the idea was you would get your feedback from the customers on that facade of a prototype. Mm -hmm. When you do that, you find information you didn't realize. Hmm. So you can ask them a question like, uh, like a broken or incomplete question the book was talking about, where you start asking a question and then they finish it for you, mm. where they start telling you what they think you're talking about about the app and they give you information you didn't have before hmm. as they're playing with it and saying you know i don't like this one thing about this you're like ah that's useful we can fix that i like how it said about having a very tight deadline when you're doing this like when you're okay we're gonna you know we're gonna write down ideas i mean i've done similar stuff to this just on a very smaller scale where we both, my business partner and I, sat down, wrote, you know, came up with ideas, and then discussed them, talked about them, debated them, and it, that that is re really good to do. But obviously, having a, a better process is, is is more ideal. But the, but the main point that that I've learned is to have a deadline. So it's like, 
okay, we need to figure this out, or we need to do this on this day, or figure this out by the end of this week. Otherwise, we just, we know we forget about it because we'd rather just work in the business and, you know, yeah. work in, in this stuff rather than, because this is like, this is a perfect example of working on the business. Doing stuff like this is very uh, <laughs> abstract and, you know, looking at it from an outside perspective and, and it's a lot harder and it's a lot more, you know, it's it's 10 times more productive because you're actually doing things for the future and, and building your business rather than just working in it. It's like circling around the problem until you find the best way to approach it mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. just jumping in and figuring out where the actual mm-hmm. yeah. biggest issue yeah. is. Yeah, I think the main concept I, th- I take away is if you're starting a business is, is yeah, have some p- opinions from other people. Like take your product that you'd want to sell Ask a lot of experts, ask a lot of potential customers, people that would want to buy it, um, get some different ideas, do all that before you actually like, say, start building it and spending money on on building it and selling, try to sell it. Yeah. The sooner you get advice, the better, because advice can hurt. I had this happen when I was working on that um, conference room tracking app where um, I went back for a version two at the next year. And I started like refining it. And I went around this time to talk to people. I'm like, hey, you know, what didn't work about version one? What can we fix in version two? And so one guy gave me this humbling thing. He's like, you know, even with your new app, I still have to go to the front desk, find the paper calendar, figure out when a conference room is available, mark in the time on the paper calendar when I'm going to use it, and then go to the conference room and put my name in on the app. And that is just too many steps. Uh. I'm like, ah, uh, maybe I should add some calendar functionality to it. Maybe if it was all in one in, in the app. Yeah, all in one, which <laughs> version two was all in one. Oh, really? And that was the beauty of getting advice early because I could fix something like that versus the first time, scramble to get it done. And then I think I left and the website crashed and it basically wasn't up the rest of the year until I came back. So like you need to, if you can get advice sooner, you can fix things sooner, which is huge. Definitely. Yeah. So you actually made version two and it worked? or Yes. And version three. Uh, another time, I added on a few extra features. Uh, interesting. That's extremely important to, to always keep improving like little, little by little. Like, yeah, just expect that your first version won't be that great. And just like, yeah. And then just go through a process every once in a while of getting ideas on ways to make it better. And that's how you, you can never just get good in the first time. It takes tons of like improvements over time yeah same goes with this podcast and thanks for listening guys you know we understand we've been doing sprints with this podcast our first sprints weren't that great (laughs) of episodes but we're glad you've stuck with us until now and we're getting better we love it when you send in books for us to feature on the survey and when you share who you are because we'd love to have you on or at least give you a shout out in the podcast Mm -hmm. yeah and we'd also appreciate it if you left a review for our podcast if you felt that the podcast has helped you, um, just with maybe in your business or just with productivity, mindset, and things like that, leave us a review yeah. on iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. It'd help uh, our podcast rank better in, uh, in iTunes. Yes. So thanks for being a listener. Really appreciate you staying with us, and we'll see you next time.